Y'all, it's so good to see you tonight. I'm, I'm going to stop screen sharing for just a second so I can look at some of my notes here. Um, but it is great to be with you and great to, even over Zoom, um, get to preach God's word and meditate on who God is and what he's about. Um, so we're continuing on through the Sermon on the Mount. We've only got three more of these uh, for the whole year, which is amazing to me because we've been walking through it little by little, bit by bit, hanging on the very words of Jesus. God made flesh and asking, what does it mean for us to follow him? What does it mean to be his disciple? What is he calling us to when he calls us to himself? And so tonight we're going to look at uh, the way that he calls us to prayerfully ask God and prayerfully seek God in our lives with one another and in our own life with Jesus. So I'm going to read Matthew 7, 7 through 11. I'm going to pray for us and we'll get started. This is God's word. It's true and it's good and it's given to us because he loves us. Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it'll be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Let me pray for us and we'll get started. Uh, Father, I do thank you that you've given us this word tonight. Um, Lord, it's just one more token of your care and your love and your provision for us. Um, God, I pray that you would help us to really know you through prayer. Um, God, I pray that you would move our hearts to seek you. And as you do, God, that we would find you seeking us. Truly, Lord, you are the hound of heaven who searches us out wherever we go. No matter how far we run, no matter how dark we go, um, it is light to you. And we cannot escape you. God, your love will go all the way to the bottom. And I pray that in Christ tonight we would see that. In your name we pray, amen. So, uh, man, in the last two weeks, um, Katie and I have had like three unbroken nights of sleep. (laughs) I guess that kind of comes to the territory when you have three small children. Our kids are six and four and about to be two. And they just don't sleep well all the time. And so most nights, here's how it goes. Um, It'll be like two o'clock in the morning. And I'll hear a cry from upstairs or a cry from the monitor that's in Peter's room. And it'll just be loud and persistent. And I'll kind of like drowsily get up out of bed and like in a, like a zombie, like walk up the stairs. And I'll go into Peter's room because he's crying. And he's standing up in his crib and it's two o'clock in the morning. He's like, I don't want to sleep. I don't want to sleep, daddy. And... He's asking for the wrong thing. I'm not going to give him that thing, right? (laughs) It's 2 a.m., Peter. You need to sleep. So I'll sit there, and I'll hold him, and I'll rock him, and then I'll gently put him back in the crib, and I'll go to sleep. Or it's 4 o'clock in the morning, and, man, I don't know how this happened, but I was letting Emery watch Cobra fighting mongoose videos on my phone, and now she's having a nightmare. And she's screaming, and she's yelling that there's a snake in her bed. And I go up there, and she's kind of asleep, and she's kind of awake. She's kind of in between, but she's, she's scared, and she's crying. 
and I'll sit on the bed next to her and I'll hold her and I'll just rub her back. And she wants me to take away the bad dream and instead I'll hold her and I'll say, you're my good girl. You're my good girl, you're my good girl. And she'll calm back down and she'll go back to sleep. And that's what a lot of what I've done with my kids crying out to me in the last few weeks has been. But the reality that Jesus points me to in this is to say that I'm evil. I mean, I've sinned against my kids at times. I'm not a perfect father. How much more does your father who's in heaven respond to you when you cry out to him is what Jesus is pushing us towards. Uh, my dad, uh, he was in the Marines in Vietnam, and he used to say, there are no atheists in the foxhole. That when the rubber really meets the road and things are really hard, everybody prays. And we were made to pray. Every culture prays. Every nation prays. Everybody, when it gets really hard, will throw up a prayer no matter who you are. Because we're made to pray. We're made to talk to God. And yet, man, even if you want to do it, it's hard, isn't it? I mean, Jesus here is pushing the disciples to pray, to ask, to seek, to knock, because they're wondering if God will answer their prayers. They're wondering the same thing you wonder. Like, can he hear me? Does he care? What is he really like? We all struggle to pray. And what Jesus is guiding us to see is that the key to prayer is not to try harder, but to cry out knowing that you have a father who loves you. And so tonight, I want to look at this. I want to break it down to two really simple points. I want to ask, what does prayer say about people? And what does prayer say about God? What does prayer say about people? What does prayer say about God? So what does prayer say about people? Look, when you think about your reasons for why prayer is hard in your life, what goes through your mind? I mean, prayer is hard because we want, you know, really quick satisfaction to our prayers. But then sometimes when we get something that we prayed for, we tend to say, oh, man, it was going to happen anyway. Or if we don't get it immediately and we keep praying for it, we kind of say, man, see, prayer doesn't even work. And so God is kind of in this double bind where he can't win either way. And it feels like, man, why even pray? Or prayer is hard because it involves letting go of control. And I love control. It's hard because I have to let go of control. Prayer is hard because we don't know how to do it. I mean, it kind of feels at times like I'm just kind of speaking up into the sky. And I don't know if anybody's listening. I don't know if I'm doing it right. I don't know how long I'm supposed to do it. I mean, I recognized a few years ago that I was telling people they needed to pray, but not actually teaching them how to pray. So I started daily prayer, 9 a.m. on Zoom this semester. You should try it out. Uh, Next semester, it will be in person on campus. But prayer can be hard because we don't know how to pray. Those are our reasons. Why does Jesus say that prayer might be hard for us? I mean, think about how he says this. I mean, it's almost like this aside, like a kind of a throwaway comment. Uh, but he says, but, you know, you who are evil, like that's kind of an assumption about people. Like God's view of people isn't that we're basically good, it's that we're basically bad. And which means that you should doubt your motivation when you're asking for things in prayer. Like, sometimes we don't get the things that we pray for because we're asking for the wrong things. I mean, Jesus says that God's a good father, and a good father only gives good things. But if his children are crazy 
and they're asking for bad things to fill them up, if they're asking for, you know, give me a rock so I can eat it, or give me a snake so I can play with it, then because that father is good, he's not to give them those bad things, even if they want them desperately. I mean, because we're sinful people, sometimes we say we want one thing, but behind what we say we want, we want something different. Like we say that we want bread, but really we want a stone. We say we want a fish, but really we want a snake. Like deep down, there's something inside of us that's just off. I mean, you might be praying, God, give me something fun to do this summer. Like give me something where I can get out, I can move, I can do something that feels purposeful. I feel like I can do something that's intentional. Uh, I can go someplace different than, you know, where I've been for the last six months. And there's nothing wrong necessarily with that prayer. But what may be behind that is, God, let me go someplace else because I don't want to go home and have to love my family because they're hard and I don't want to be with them anymore. Or we can say, God, give me someone to date. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, in our culture, you want to get married one day, which is a good thing, then you probably want to date somebody. But what may be behind that prayer for someone to date is a desire to have someone that would make you feel important or special or noticed, to have someone to work out some pent-up sexual energy with. And because God loves you, he's not gonna give you something that's not actually good for you. So prayer can be hard because, you know, our motivations are bad and, and we're, at the core of us, not good people. But prayer is also hard because it makes us dependent, I mean, look at the image that Jesus gives here. He says, ask, seek, knock. It's like a beggar at the door of God, like banging on the door and saying, please give me something to eat. Please let me have something that's yours to fill me and satisfy me. Jesus say, not only are you evil, but you're also beggars. And we don't want it to be that way. It's like, man, Jesus, I don't want to see myself like this. But he's saying, you know, seeing yourself like this is the only way to experience God's blessing and presence. Like part of why we don't pray is because we don't see that we're dependent. We don't see that we're beggars. Look, if God is a father to his people, then that makes us children. What are children like? They're dependent. They're not smart. They're not strong. Like none of those things are things that you would put on a resume, right? Like not the smartest one of the bunch. Would you like to hire me? Like you wouldn't do that. But that's the way God deals with us. It's like little children. I mean, I had this experience where before the pandemic hit, I would talk to people sometimes about, you know, how's your prayer life? What's going on with that? And they would say things like, man, I don't really pray because I feel like I'm so busy. And then quarantine happened and everything shut down and, you know, their calendar was cleared. And we were talking and they're like, man, I still... Actually, I still don't pray. And they understood that the reason wasn't because they were busy. It was because they weren't dependent. And they didn't want to enter into dependence. Like they felt like it was easier and more exciting to get what they wanted in the way they wanted than to sit quietly and ask their father for their heart's desire. Look, we're not eager to ask because at heart we feel like it's on us to solve our own problems. You feel like you've got to figure out what you want to become and how you're going to do it. And part of why you're so anxious and scared sometimes is that it, 
When you approach life that way, then it's on your shoulders to achieve a blessed life, a full life, an abundant life. And what Jesus is trying to do here is to give you the eyes to see that it's not on your shoulders. That God is not a distant, divine, authority figure demanding that you figure things out on your own. But he's actually close and present and wants to give us himself and wants to give us good things. Like ask, seek, knock, be persistent. God loves persistence. Look, I mean, think about the image here. It's like God has this evil beggar, like a serial killer knocking on his door at night. And nobody here would open up their door if they knew that person was on this doorstep, right? But God the Father opens up his door and he embraces this person as a child and gives them everything they need. He is a father who is close and wants to fill our lives with the abundance of his love. So that's what prayer says about who we are. What does prayer say about God? Look, God is a good and abundant father. He has this intense desire to give and Jesus is calling us into that abundance. Look, God is everywhere all the time, but in prayer, you're consciously entering the presence of God and it's his delight that you do so. He delights in sharing his presence with us. He actually summons us to enter and be with him. Look, think about how this deals with your motivation to pray. Like, we tend to think about prayer as like, man, I feel guilty that my prayer life isn't better. I feel like I should do it better. I feel like I should have some sort of better way to go about it. But guilt doesn't work to actually motivate us for very long. But we tend to look at ourselves and say, man, God is so disappointed in me for not having a regular prayer life. When you think about what motivates us to pray, it just really raises this question of how do you think of the Father? Like when you imagine his eyes looking at you, what's in those eyes? Is he mad at you? Is he disappointed with you? Is he cranking up the pressure before him? Like, come on, why can't you get your act together? Come on, what's wrong with you? Work harder, try harder, be better. Is that what he's yelling at you? Like some sort of angry little league coach? Look, if that's your idea of who God is, then why would you ever pray to him? Like that sort of father is not someone that you can ask for help or be weak with or struggle with things that you're afraid to let others in. Why would you ever tell that sort of father, look, I'm trying my best to follow you and I don't see it paying off for me. In fact, it feels like the more faithful I try to be, then the more things don't go my way. Why would you tell that sort of father that that you would ever try to stop solving your problems by drinking so much that you finally feel free enough to sleep with a stranger? Why would you tell that sort of father that you would ever take a stand against your porn habit? Or to be honest enough with that sort of father to say, I'm depressed and I can't do anything to help myself come out of this hole. Can you do more than throw a rope down to me? Will you actually come down here with me? Like If that's that angry, disappointed, little league coach father is the God that you're praying to, why would you ever want to talk to him? I mean, the answer is that you wouldn't. Like that sort of father will make you feel guilty and get some stuff done. But in the long term, that father will never fill you with the abundance of his love.
So listen to me when I say this. Good fathers are like God. And if some of you all have had good fathers, man, you are blessed. Because a good father has incredible authority and incredible intimacy, and that's the kind of father that Jesus is handing us here. But if you had a father who abused his authority in your life, or was distant, or was too close in some sort of weird or icky way, then you need to know that God is a good father who wants to give you a better experience than that. Look, if your view of the father is that he doesn't care, or that he's far away, then let the words of Jesus guide you in a new understanding, that you have a father in heaven who is immensely powerful and incredibly intimate, He delights to be in your presence. He loves you as you are, not as you wish that you were or think that you should be, but as you are now, he loves you and delights in you and calls you to himself. He delights to hear the longings of your heart. He wants you to pour yourself out to him. He wants you to throw up a quick pop-up prayer when you take a test. He wants to hear you say things like, gosh, man, when I think about this year, God, I'm so disappointed. I never wanted it to be like this. I don't know why you would allow something like this to come into my life. Look, God is not afraid of the real, honest you. He knows that person already. He wants you to bring that person to him in all the fullness of your sadness and your anger and your disappointment and your longing and your not knowing and your frustration. So ask, seek, Knock. He loves to give good gifts to his children. But y'all, I mean, to be honest, when I think about what are impediments for me in prayer, you know, when, when I think about my, the things that are most discouraging to me in prayer, I don't know about you, but for me, it's like longstanding, unanswered prayers that as far as I can tell are legitimately good prayers. Like heal this person that I love. Bring my lost family member to faith. Heal the parts of me that feel broken. And I pray those prayers and it doesn't seem like anything happens. And I can't tell you everything that the Father does with that, but I can tell you that when you come to the door and you beat on it, he may not give you exactly what you're asking for, but he will open the door and he will give you himself. I had this experience with this uh man years ago look i don't come from like an abusive family my life is not a lifetime movie um i come from a pretty normal family in a lot of ways but when i was in seminary before i got married to katie i remember i was at home on my couch listening to a sermon on adoption about how god takes people that were not part of his family and he makes them part of his family and makes them his sons and makes them his daughters. And there was something about that sermon that just got up in my insides. And I was undone. And I was just sitting on my couch by myself in my living room just weeping. And just calling out to God, like, why was our family like this? Why has, was our family so broken? Why was, why was it a place where I felt so broken? Just calling out to him and weeping. I mean, at some point, my roommate came in from the grocery store with like bags of groceries in his hands and like sees me crying on our couch and just kind of sets him on the counter and like goes to his room. He's like, whoa, we'll talk about that later. But man, my family is still functionally the same. But what God did in that was he met me. 
And it was enough. Look, prayer is not just about asking God for, to do stuff. It's about being shaped by a relationship with the Father who loves you. Paul Miller in The Praying Life put it like this. He said, learning to pray doesn't offer you a less busy life. It offers you a less busy heart. As you pray about something, you find that there may be better things to ask for. Instead of, show me the person that I need to marry, maybe you'll start asking for trust. Like, give me the faith to believe that I can have a full life even if I were to never get married. Like, more than what you can get from him, God desires you to be a person that is with him and that becomes like him. He's refining you through the process of prayer, through like amazing times of prayer where it feels like, man, I feel like I just functionally sat down and had a good meal with a good friend. My heart feels so full and hard times of prayer where it's just like, I don't know if that, you know, 10 minutes that I just spent trying to pray was worth anything. But in prayer, you love to, you learn to love new and better things. You are shaped by your, the presence of the Father in your life. Look, it's like this. When you become a Christian, you get Christ's life. What he has becomes yours. What you had became his on the cross. But there's still this disconnect, isn't there? Like, how do you bridge the disconnect? Like, I'm supposed to be holy. I'm supposed to love God. I'm supposed to love my neighbor. I don't do those things. You bridge the disconnect over time in prayer. As you enter into the presence of the Father, and he spans that disconnect and makes you want the things that Jesus wants, to love the things that Jesus loves, to be a person who's more truly you by becoming more truly like Jesus. Look, the boldness and the insistence of coming to the Father again and again in prayer is really this act of childlike trust of God, take my life and just hold me Just be with me. Let me cry out to you. Sustain me. Feed me. I'm little. I don't have what it takes. And your confidence in prayer is not that you get it right or even necessarily ask for the right things in the right way. But your confidence is that Jesus has come to you first and knocked on the door of your heart. Hear what he says to us in Revelation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Look, prayer is knocking on God's door, looking for him to show up and finding him looking for you. So I wanna end with this. And we're in uh, what the church calls Holy Week. Uh, It's the week that leads up to Easter where the church as a generally a whole meditates on Jesus's passion and going to the cross. And one of the most amazing stories in that is, in my mind, when he goes uh, on the night where he's betrayed to the Garden of Gethsemane and he prays. And he's sweating, like so much sweat that it's like blood is pouring off of him. And his disciples have just fallen asleep. Nobody's there with him. It's just him and the Father alone. And he's looking at the Father and he's crying out like, God, if there's any other way, any way for me to save these people than to go to a cross, man, let's go that route. And he prays and he prays and he prays and the Father does not answer his prayer. Jesus goes to the cross. 
The Father doesn't answer the prayers of Jesus so that he can answer your prayers. To know him, to be with him, to be healed in ways that you never even knew you needed to be healed, to become wise in ways that, man, you're just not gonna figure out on your own, to become like God by being present with God and being shaped by God's character. That's our hope, and that's our confidence in prayer, that because Jesus' prayers weren't answered, your prayers can be answered because you are God's son and daughter. And that's our offer to you tonight in RUF, to know that Father who looks at you, loves you, and embraces you in prayer. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, I do pray that you would open our eyes to the reality of who you are and what you're about in the world. God, lead us and guide us in prayer. Lord, it is so hard sometimes to try to sit quietly and just be with you. Our minds are so full of different things. But God, I pray that you would quiet our hearts and our minds. And God, that we would know your calm and gentle presence. Something that is so powerful that it called the cosmos into existence. And yet it's so delicate and tender that it can deal with the most fragile and broken parts of our lives. We ask all these things in your good and holy name. Amen. Thanks, Simon. Yeah. Once we uh, get these slides up and running, we're going to sing Often Sorrow. <laughs>